Hi there, and welcome to a very sad uh, edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast. Uh, I'm sure you're all aware the news today about about Walter Smith uh, passing away at the age of 73. We were going to do a preview show tonight. We were going to preview the game tomorrow against Aberdeen, but obviously there are there are bigger things to discuss now. So uh, I'm joined by Stuart Weir to sort of just go through, uh, you know, Walter's career and. And everything he done for Rangers, and, and I mean, I don't know, I don't know how you feel, Stuart. I mean, it's, it's been a really flat day. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously your your initial thoughts are, are with his wife and kids and grandkids and family and and close friends and stuff like that. And I'm not really one that sort of goes with or gets this thing when you know when people are are upset when you know, celebrities dying, stuff like that. But I have to be honest, I've, I've felt it today. There's been one or two in my lifetime when Bowie went, I felt that. When David Cooper went, I really felt that. And today, it's, it really has. I mean, I've really struggled at work. I felt really flat all day. It really has. It's quite a historically sad day for the club and the supporters and everyone connected to Rangers. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, Colin. Um when I first heard this morning, um, it was my sister that actually contacted me to tell me. Um, and it was one of those moments that, you know, there, there is not a lot you can say. Um, it was something I knew, you knew it was going to, it was inevitable. Um, and simply because of what we'd heard over the last, week or so um but it's still still really really sad and you know everything that walter did and i and i you know and i, I put it up and posted something on twitter earlier on about being a great manager but an even better man and i and i think anybody that ever came into contact with walter through their life would would appreciate that because he was a guy who um, was was so knowledgeable in what he did. Had so many contacts. Had so many people on high within the game of football who would listen to what he had to say um, and 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 you know acknowledged what he had to say because he was such a a, a clever tactician or a clever coach. Um, and a clever man manager as well, um, and and you start putting all these things together, and especially putting it in a Rangers context, and the period of time that he did that over, you suddenly you suddenly realised just how significant he was in terms of Rangers, but also how significant he is in terms of people's perception today and the, the, the genuine sadness there is in football because he did touch so many people at so many different levels and at so many different clubs and, you know, and with the national team as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I found it. I mean, some of the tributes today have been, you know, really heartwarming. You know, you've had folk like uh, Pep Guardiola making comments. I found it really telling that, that Graham Soonis didn't appear publicly today, he made a statement. I, I, you know, I think that gave you an indication as to how upset he was. I liked the words uh, of Douglas Park this morning, saying about Walter Smith, it embodied everything that a ranger should be. And I, I, think that's, I think that's very apt. I mean, McCoy was on TalkSport this morning, sounded really emotional. Stephen Gerrard, I think we've all seen the video of him, you know, he, he struggled as well. It, it really is. It's, I mean, it's... It's a kind of thing that, you know, I think this could impact the club for 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 a number of weeks. You know, I think the players could be flat for for, for a few weeks. It's, you know, everyone I've spoken to today, you know, whether it be texts and stuff like that, you know, you just get that sense of, you know, just just the end of an era. You know, I mean, but I, I was do, I was looking at some, I was doing a, a wee bit before we came on. I was looking at how many uh, trophies I've seen Rangers won. Now, give or take a few, considering I'm not great at maths, right? Uh, but I came to a total of 43. And Walter Smith was directly responsible for 21 of those, and he was assistant for another seven, I believe. 
So, you know, you're, you're talking about essentially I'm, I'm a 48-year-old guy and Walter Smith is responsible for like 70% of the trophies that I've seen the club win. I mean, that side of it, when you look at his track record as a Rangers manager and the trophies that he's won, it's it, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and the level of success that he had, and not just the level of success that he had as a club manager um, and domestically, also what he so very nearly achieved in a European context as well. I still think that 92-93 season... Even though I lived through it and worked through it, I, I still think actually today I'm more in, in turn, uh, you know, I'm more likely to appreciate what that achievement was that season 44 games unbeaten, domestic treble, you know, um, unbeaten in Europe. Um, I, I noticed it's difficult to get your you know, people to pull all our thoughts together. I noticed the BBC did a thing saying the, the games that shaped Walter Smith's career and they missed out either of the two matches against Leeds United. And and that, you know, for somebody who, who worked um, within the media then and somebody who knew a great many people south of the border, that that was a great, a, a great, period um, in terms of Walter Smith's tenure at Ironbrook, but it also put a marker down as to where Rangers actually were in terms of the context of British football and the fact that they beat the English champions and the fact that Walter Smith also outthought and outgunned um, Howard Wilkinson, who was the Leeds manager, who was one of these guys, guys who was thought as some sort of doyen of, of coaching and management in, in England at the time. And Walter basically outsmarted them not once but twice and you know I, I would have had that pretty high in any list of of important matches for for Walter Smith um I mean today when I, I, I my, my my daughter phoned me and I started talking to her for a wee while um and I, and again it sort of comes back to you then that just actually how many how much contact you had with Walter Smith it's almost like during the 90s, you didn't actually appreciate what was happening at Ibrox until you've seen what's happened in the last, you know, seven or eight years. And then you fully appreciate how lucky you were to actually be living at that time or, 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 or working in and around Rangers at that time because you just get carried away in a kind of, on a, on a wave that everything that they, they did was going to be successful. And if you happen to be the the Rangers man on a, a newspaper or you had to be a, a chief football writer or whatever it was on a newspaper at that time, wherever Rangers went, you went with them. So it goes without saying that you had quite a few adventures and the adventures ultimately would come back to having even closer contact with the likes of Walter because he was just, you know, he was a guy who conducted the press conferences and would speak to you and he had this, for people that looked at, at Walter, they would have seen an exterior that looked as if there was quite a hard shell. But it wasn't, there was a hard shell and it, and it, could, be, it could be quite tough at times, quite hard at times. Um, if, he, if it's something he said, but the thing was, if it's something he said to you, he said it and that was it. If, if you were in a position where you cheesed off Walter Smith for a period of time. You really had to have overstepped the mark. I mean, I've, you know, I, I did one or two things and was immediately pulled up for it and chastised. But you knew when Walter was telling you this, it was maybe one for your own good so you didn't do it again, but also that this was a, a, a shot across your bows. I remember Rangers played in a European tie and Richard Goff didn't... Um, Richard Goff hadn't played, and I did a piece. I just phoned Richard up at the house, and he, he spoke to me, and I did a piece with, um, with Richard. And the next morning, 
I phoned Ibrox and Walter said, oh, hi, how are you doing? Is this you want to ask for permission to speak to Richard Goff? And I said, uh, I, I said, no, I got him last night. He went, I know you got him last night. It was nice to read it in the Evening Times this morning. So that was that was him chastising you and giving you a ticking off, but it was also him basically doing it in, you know, in such a way that he didn't want to make you feel too bad, but you'd, 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 you knew that that he had taken exception to something you'd done. And in all my dealings with Walter, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I tweeted earlier on that he was probably the fairest guy I ever met in football. And I, I stick to that. He, if he had something to say or he was unhappy, he would say it. And that was it. That was the end of it. There was no long grudges. There was no, um, you know, not returning calls. There was nothing like that, and and I think that's that actually made him even more popular with people because you knew exactly where you stood with him. Yeah, I think that's something that's that's, that's came out today. You know, it's not just his achievements in football and the Rangers in particular, which you know are, are substantial. Uh, I, I don't think anyone could deny that. But a lot of the stuff today is is kind of similar to what you you just sort of. Gave us there, Stuart. You know the personal anecdotes, the people saying what a man he was. I mean, I found it interesting watching Stephen Jenner genuinely struggle the day. You know, mm-hmm. he, he really looked uh, quite cut up. You know, I mean, Stephen Jenner's been up here about three years, four years. You know, it's, it's not. I mean, he's, he's obviously known him over that period, but he's not been involved with Walter Smith day on day at the club, blah blah blah. But yeah, he still got to know him really well. He's he obviously holds him high, and you know, and his affections, and I, th- I think that tells you everything you need to know about the man. You know, that mm. not not just the, the manager and, and what he done and, and, and his professional life, but so much stuff today about what, what you were saying. You know, that the, the actual the man. You know, everyone's saying he was, he was he was a great husband, a great dad, great granddad, and you kind of you did you kind of somebody said today on one of the news channels, and I thought. I thought that was quite apt. You know, he was like everybody's Rangers dad. You know what I mean? Mm. And when, when I think of him in that sort of first uh, time at Rangers, you know, he always had the cardigan on, and that's what he looked like. You know, what I mean, he, he looked he looked like your dad. You know what I mean? And I'm uh, glad I'm speaking. To, I'm glad I'm speaking to you. Sort of ten hours or whatever it is after. You know, I learned the news because if I'd been asked at the time. I'd have been quite upset and emotional when yeah. my daughter phoned me and and she sort of reminisced about some of the things with, with like say Walter or me going to Baby Rangers and her coming to the airport to to you know when I can buy it and the likes. And that sort of that sort of got me a wee bit. And whilst I, I'm I'm really saddened and I, I mean I'm really saddened for his wife. And I'm really saddened as well for the boys, you know, Neil and Stevie, and and I, and I feel it for them, um, especially. Um, and there was a bit when Rangers went to Choco uh, in Italy pre-season training one year. Believe it or not, I was the only journalist that actually went. So I had filled my I, I would fill my stuff first thing in the morning, having spoken to Walter literally the last thing at night. And then I would go up to the, they would go up to the training ground, I'd file my stuff, and then that was me for two hours. So I'd just go down to the swimming pool. And down at the swimming pool, uh, one year you had uh, Michael Goff, Richard's son, David Murray's two sons, and Neil and Stevie. And I was on suntan lotion duty with the boys to make sure they didn't become, you know, Two lobster red in this warm Tuscan sun, and it was, um, you know, there was some points I thought to myself, actually, I'm just going to give these 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 boys a swig of this stuff because I can't even bother putting this on them all the time to make sure that. And then at the back in my mind, it was always like, if if I come if if Walter or or Goffey comes back down the hill here and their, their, their kids are too red. I'm for it. So needless to say, I didn't want to follow up with Walter. So the, the kids were on factor 150, never mind factor 50. But I remember in that trip, we were about a, a, a laugh and a joke. And Walter grabbed a hold of Stephen and 
I mean, gave a I gave him a, a hug as as your dad does, and at that point, I suddenly I, I did genuinely realise that was Walter Smith was a dad that loved his kids. No, he wasn't just the Rangers manager that I had to phone up and ask about groin yeah. injuries, and that when that came back, when that moment came back to me today, um, I did find myself getting. I wouldn't say tearing up, but I did get myself, you know, find myself getting emotional. And and during the course of the day, you piece wee bits together of what Walter did, what he meant to what he meant to me in a, in a kind of working capacity, and also what he meant to the Rangers fans who who I mean truly loved the guy. And if they hadn't loved him enough the first time, they truly loved him the second time. But just to give you an example, I, 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 dug, I dug this out, right? I don't even see it, right? Right. That's Walters. Because we were at Titwood, when Rangers were training at Titwood, uh, Clydesdale Cricket uh, Club's yeah. ground. And Rangers were training down there, and it was a really freezing cold, wet, miserable morning. And I'd gone down there to speak to somebody and I didn't have a hood in my, my, my jacket and I was getting wet and it was, um, and Walter said, you know, uh, you, know you, you, you look cold. I went, I said, I, I, for, for the first time in my life, I feel cold. And he took his bonnet off and threw it to me and said, here, it was, he was out training. It was soaking wet anyway. And I don't know what kind of good it would have done me, but it was it was more the gesture that you know, that he, you know that counted to hear with somebody would give you his hat off his head when it was still warm, just because you looked cold. And that and for me, that's a kind of measure of what Walter Smith was as a as a guy who had a job to do, but never really you know never saw you as being too much trouble um, to to help you. Out. And, and last year, the Sunday Post were putting a, a book together about Jim McLean, and they phoned me up and asked me if I would do a piece for Walter. And eventually, I got him through through the boys, and, they, and you know, I, I didn't really want to trouble him too much. But through the boys, I said, "You know, is it going to okay to give him a call?" Aye, aye, fine. And then when Walter came on, um. He went, how long is this going to take? I said, 20 minutes, half an hour. I said, any blanks? I said, I'll fill them in if you trust me. He went, aye, 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 that's okay. Um, so the 20-minute phone call, and I looked at the phone, um, and because I wanted to be writing things down and using my key, keyboard and the likes, and we were approaching nearly two hours. <laughs> you know, so once I, once I got him talking about football and different things, he, he really wanted to talk about it. And he, oh, yeah. And, and and the thing was because it was about Jim McLean, he had so many Jim McLean stories. And I and I tried, I tried desperately just to get him to, you know, let me write one of the stories that I knew about or he you know, he had told me about, and, and just to give a different perspective on Jim McLean. But Walter wouldn't do that. He would have a laugh at maybe Jim's expense, but he wasn't going to share that with anybody if you know what I mean yeah, yeah. it wasn't going to have the guy ridiculed or laughed at publicly that was a that was a, maybe a private story or a private joke and a great many people knew them because Walter would regale you with these stories at press conferences when you know you were finished after like 10 minutes with nothing to say and he would he would he would have a, a, a you know just sit there and go around the houses about different things and and I would I'd I, really really want and it came into my head a couple of weeks ago I should maybe try and pursue that and see if there's a, a you know maybe some more to be done if if Walter be, would be willing to actually you know go on the record this time sadly it's not to be and maybe those stories are best kept you know under wraps or for for other occasions but he 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 genuinely when he told these stories it was really, really funny at telling them. And that was something, it had a really dry sense of humour. And, you know, a couple of years back, one of, those, one of the guys on Facebook contacted me there to say, 
the last time he'd seen Walter was at Alan Davidson's funeral when Walter did one of the eulogies and he was really, really funny. And I know I know that if you, you know, in moments of sadness, sometimes you, you cling on to anything if it's if it's going to take you away from the the sniffs and the tears and all the rest of it. But genuinely Walter was really funny and really genuine with his tribute to Alan Davidson. And I think a lot of people who thought they knew Walter Smith up until that point or had been in contact with Walter Smith suddenly realised that there was a different Walter Smith there. That all the people who dealt with him on a sort of daily or you know weekly basis had seen over the years. And I think a lot of folk thought that we were just havering when we said that Walter's a really, really funny guy because he always looked quite serious. Um, yeah, quite looking. Quite, yeah. He did look quite dour. But he's, he was, I, I can only say, you know, that for me, it was always really, really helpful. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, a, you know, a, a, another example. The Evening Times were dishing out five grand and ten grand, grand bingo prizes. And all of a sudden, nobody won it for several weeks. And I, I think it was some £136,000, which back in 1993 was a small fortune even then. Yeah. So when I was going out of the office, George McKechnie, who was the editor, uh, basically said, uh, and when you're doing it, Turnberry, uh, get well, ask Walter Smith if he'll present the check. Now, this is a couple of days before I think it was either a cup semi final or a cup final. And I'm like, aye, I'll go and ask him. But you know, I, I thought it better, I thought it better to ask Walter and, and basically, you know, get both barrels from Walter than it would have been for Joss to ask Walter further down the line why he didn't present the check. And then I would have, it wouldn't have been so much both barrels, but fired out a, a howitzer. <laughs> so I said, when the press conference and that had finished, everybody spoke to the players and the likes. Uh, I said, Walter, kind of two minutes. He went, no, the evening times were in with everybody else today. I'm not doing it. I said, no, 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 no. I said, it's something different. I said, right. I said, we've we've had a a, a bingo prize winner. They've won £136,000. Would you present the cheque? So Walter said, when? I said, maybe today. And I, I won't tell you what he said, right? But it ended in off. In fact, it, it ended in several offs. Interspersed with, we're preparing for a cup final. I've got better things to do. Da -da 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 -da. How much have they won? So I told him. I went, oh. I mean, how, how would they get here anyway? I went, we're flying down in a helicopter. He went, what? I said, we fly him in a helicopter. I said, this is a big, this is a big news story for the Evening Times. Spending another five grand for the day on a helicopter isn't going to make any difference when you're dishing out 136,000 pounds. I said, they'll be there, they'll be here in 20 minutes. And he went, no, I said, I can't even fit it in. I said, you know, we could do it anytime. And he, he sort of thought, and he, what about after dinner tonight? I said, right. What time are you having dinner? It's between five and six. I said, are you sure? It's just a picture we're having. I said, I, I said, there a couple of words from you congratulating them. I said, I'll, I'll do the words. You don't need to worry about that. Um, I said, so there'll not be any reporter here. I'll just be the photographer. Right, okay. Six o'clock. None of you are 15 minutes late. If they're not here at six o'clock, I'm not doing it at all. Right, okay. So... Right on the phone. I had the one mobile phone that belonged to the sports desk at the evening times with me. So I phoned up um, Carol, George McKechnie's uh, uh, secretary, and she put me through to George. I said, right, it's a go. Are you sure? I said, aye. What time do you need to be there for? Half past five. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't taking any chances. So, um, right, okay, half past five. I said, if, and if you're not there at half five, he's not doing it. Because I thought, you know, the 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 woman who'd won the bingo prize is unlikely to walk away and say, I'm not doing this picture anymore because yeah. Walter's not here. So anyway, they they they, they came time to, um they flew me down in the helicopter and and I'd, I'd done, the words were all done up. So they people just to go with a photographer did the photographs. Anyway, I come back 
in the next morning, early start. Do you want to check some of these pictures, some of these photographs? I went, aye. So I was looking through, they printed up some of the, uh, a series of photographs. There's Walter with the prize winner in the check. Walter with the prize winner and her husband in the check. Walter and Archie and the prize winners with the check. Walter and Archie and Goffey and, and McCoist and Durant with the prize winners with the check. Walter, Archie, the squad with the prize winners with the check. Next picture, here's Walter and McCoist with the headsets on in the helicopter, giving it this. <laughs> so, so in the space of a conversation with Walter, I'd gone from having to coax and cajole him into doing it and him eventually saying yes, to these people suddenly arriving and it like suddenly turning into a holiday camp. And that was that was just that that's 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 what he was like as a guy. If he if he bought into something, he would he would do it and he would go for it. And you know, it was I, I could never have said thank you enough to him after that. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure what it would have been like if he'd lost the cup tie. Fortunately, the Rangers won the cup tie, so I was still in the good books then. But he he would have gone out of his way to help you and to make things happen. And, you, and, and on social media today, you can tell that the amount of photographs that are have been posted up in different contexts and all the rest of it. And even when they went to Ed Everton, I was the only Scottish journalist who went down to Everton to see him installed as a manager. And Archie Knox and I had a bit of a love-hate relationship at times. And Walter once asked me why I kept up saying Archie. <laughs> and uh, and, I, I don't know, and I, I'm like, what? I said, he's done this and he's done that. And then I released a teehee and down the phone. This was basically Walter, just, you know, his, his sense of humour shining through. Yeah. But when I went down to Everton, I think it was the guy Philip Johnson was the chairman of Everton. It was him and Walter and Archie at the top table. They had the press conference. And I could see Archie sort of looking around the room. And he spotted me through all these bodies. And he, he went, and he waved. And I waved back. And then he missed Walter. And he went, and then Walter came And Walter waved. And all of a sudden, all these other journalists are all sort of turning around as if to say, who are they waving at? Right. And, and, and then it was at the end of the press conference. Archie had uh, said, "Come on down here," and introduced me to the introduced me to the Everton chairman as their very good Scottish journalist friend Stuart Weir. I ended up going for lunch in the boardroom. I think because they didn't have any other pals there at the time. But it just it was you know it was a it was a measure of him you know acknowledging the fact that you had a job to do and and effectively making it as easy as possible for you to do that job. Yeah, that, I mean, it's it's funny you talk about Jim McLean there, uh, because uh, that, I mean, everybody knows that, like, you know, Walter arrived in '86 as as, as Graham Souness's assistant, but he had the chance to go like three years previous when, when Jim McLean mm -hmm. turned down the job. Now, initially, the story I read, I think it was in Walter Smith's book, was that Jim had said to him, "We're moving. You know, I'm I'm, I'm taking the Rangers' job." Uh, get your your gear together, and we're, we're heading down. And I, I remember reading the, the story of Walter Smith painting this picture. He was he was in the, the dressing room at Tannadice packing all his stuff up when he got word that McLean had sort of changed his mind and and, and knocked the job back. And I, I remember just the sense of sort of frustration that Smith was talking about because I suppose he maybe saw that as his only chance. Mm. You know what I mean? You, you, you would be quite right in thinking, you know, clubs like Rangers don't come twice. They don't come knocking at your door twice. You maybe get one opportunity and if you knock it back, then, then, that, then that could be you. And I think that's sort of testament. I mean, I think we need to remember, I mean, he was a great guy for Rangers, a great manager, trophies and all the rest of it. But first and foremost, you know, he was a Rangers supporter. Oh yeah, he you was. Know, he grew up a Rangers supporter. He was there, he was, he was at, he was at Ibrox the day, the disaster and all that kind of stuff. And that's what I mean. See, reading that story in his book, you know, you genuinely got a sense of how gutted he was because he, he thought, well, that's me. I've, my chance has just basically passed me by. You see, when he, the, there's a couple of times, actually, I think that professional as he was, there was a couple of times where, I'm not saying he let his guard down, but he almost had to, almost had to stop himself and rally himself and say, right, I'm the Rangers manager now. 
if you remember the League Cup final in 87, Rangers beat Aberdeen in penalties. They were a goal down. Coops hit this unstoppable free kick. And then Rangers scored a, a brilliantly worked goal when Jimmy Nicol headed the ball forward. Um, Reflect laid it off to Durant. Durant played it to McCoyst. McCoyst then played in Durant yeah. and, and put it in. Like, it was a beautifully worked goal. And Walter celebrated that goal like a punter. If you actually look at it, he, did, he celebrated that goal as a Rangers fan. And then it was like professional head back on again. Yeah. You go there, you go there. And, and, and this is a time when Sooners was obviously up in, the, up in the, the stand and Walter was conducting things, you know, on the on the on the on the touchline. And it was I, I, I always thought there were times where Walter actually celebrated and still did it later on in his career like a, a supporter would because yeah. it meant so much to him yeah. uh, not just being the manager of Rangers but actually being a Rangers man. Yeah that's I mean that, I mean that's the sense I got reading that and and, and, he, and he got his chance you know he, he turned oh, up yeah. in, in 86 and you know Sunis was always sort of any I mean I've been to a few nights in, in the lounge when, when Sunis has, has been there and you know he, he always spoke with Ellie Walter Smith he always said you know he, he, he felt that he picked the best the best possible guy because Sunis obviously didn't have a huge amount of knowledge in the Scottish football scene he'd, he'd played his football outside uh, Scotland basically all his professional life and so he needed someone who had that that sort of street knowledge and and, and, and that was Smith but the, the next thing I want to talk to you Stuart is when, is when Sunis left you know that was a bit of a shock you know I don't think any of seen, seen it coming and I, I remember like for a few days all the people that were linked with the job and I'm not going to lie, when, when Walter was promoted, I, I remember a lot of supporters feeling slightly deflated and a bit, oh, really? You know what I mean? Because, because and, and, and this will possibly happen, you know, when Gerard moves on, but because you had such a name like Sunis, you know, a sort of global name, this guy that's known throughout the footballing world, and I'm not being derogatory here to, to Walter Smith, obviously, because he's he's got a, a similar status now, but back then he didn't. You know, I mean, he didn't quite. You know, he was he was an assistant manager at the time, and it'll maybe be the same when Gerard goes. The next person that comes in is not going to have that 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 same sort of status. And I I do remember me and my mates being kind of, oh, didn't see that coming, you know. And we spoke to supporters; some of them were disappointed uh, that we hadn't got a bigger name in to replace Sunis. But he made the job his own, really. And and I always remember, like, I I got a ticket on the morning that. That Rangers were playing Aberdeen that that last game of the season for you know the title decider. Basically, whoever won that game, I think Aberdeen only needed a draw. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. Aberdeen, if they, if they they got a draw that day, they were going to be champions. We needed to win. I think we, we had to send out the tea lady and one of the ball boys. There was that many injuries at the time, and you know Walter had been in sort of post for three or four games. And as I said, I got, I got a ticket on the morning. I've been sort of scurrying about all week, managed to get a ticket on the morning of the game. And I just did lots of memories for that game, Haley's goals, all that kind of thing. But the one abiding memory was in, in the reception that he got is when Walter came out with the, with the trophy. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, he was only there for the last four games, but I've always considered that he was the one that sort of carried us over the line. You know what I mean? I always felt that was his championship, and it was a it was a great way to start off his managerial career. I thought, I just... I thought, I thought, Colin, that his um, his stock was really high within football. You know, George Steen thought he was a a you know a clever, clever guy in terms of football, which is why you know I heard my coach referring to the fact that Walter was his youth team coach with Scotland when he was like seventeen. Yeah. Um. So he worked under Jim McLean, who thought, you know, obviously thought the world of him because, again, Jim McLean didn't suffer fools, and I think I think him and Walter were actually were a were a good balance for each other. Um, I think, you know, I think Walter brought 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 Jim McLean back to reality a few times. It wasn't always easy, but he did. Mm. Alex Ferguson thought Walter was a great coach. Um, as well, so it was an easy choice for Sunis. I think once once he's gone round the houses and been part, and, and he's also got a chance to see Walter Smith and what Walter Smith was about at an international level. Yeah, in Mexico. So, yeah. So 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 that that deal was already 
already done. The thing that, and I get exactly what you were saying, that, I mean, Rangers were basically connected with every, you know, I can remember Terry Venable's name yeah. being, being one of the names that were was, was being banded about. And when they held the press conference at Rangers, when, you know, Walter looked as if he was going to have to take a suck of a lemon um, every five seconds to take a smile off his face when he was appointed Rangers manager. The most telling thing that press conference came from Richard Goff when that that the question it wasn't it wasn't couched in those terms that you said you were really disappointed. Yeah. More you know to Richard Goff, are you disappointed that Graham soon as he's left as manager? And and Richard Goff, who by this time so that's like you know, 19, um, what, 1990, 1989? No, sorry, 1991 it would be when, when Soon has left. Yeah. Richard Goff had already known Walter Smith for for 11 years. Um, and, and Richard Goff said, actually, from what I could see, Walter's been doing the job for the last two years anyway. Now, that was that was both damning in terms of what everybody maybe thought of Soonus. Soonus, yeah. But also enlightening as to maybe this guy's not going to be as bad or as much of a a come down as what a lot of people think. And, and it, I mean, it didn't take Walter very long to suddenly establish himself. You know, when you go out and you sign, you know, start signing the likes of. Um, David Robertson, and you get and you start signing the likes of Mikhail Achenko, and you start signing the likes of um, Andy Gorham. It's like, oh, I, I could, I, you know, that's, that's a pretty, a pretty decent signing, and they, and they, and the great signings went on thereafter. So, I think, you know, it was one of these ones. Maybe it went a wee bit undercover, but I do think that Walter Smith was earmarked for the Rangers job long before. Soon as decided to go to Liverpool, I think that was almost like a, it was almost like a done deal before Soon as went in and said, uh, "Anfield's calling, I'm going." Yeah. Um. And I and I, and again, it, it, it worked in Rangers' favour because you 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 were dealing with a guy who was already in there with the bricks, but was also a Rangers man who would have quite happily put his name in a few of those bricks as well. I mean, it's hard to, to go through Walter Smith's Rangers career. And we'll come on to the, 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 you know, his second period at the club, which I think is, is is arguably the better of the two, considering where the club were financially and all that kind of thing. And, and obviously he got us to the Europa League, but we'll come on and talk about that. But can't talk about Walter Smith without talking about 92, 93. And I mean, I, I talk to my son about this every now and again. I'll just say, I'll just say like, son, I, I can't explain how good it was to be a Rangers supporter on that season. And I, and I was probably the, the perfect age. I was about 19, 20 at the time. And it just felt like every game, especially in the Champions League, you know, every game was just such a big occasion. You know, we went undefeated for, for 44 games, including every game in Europe that season, you know, including the, the two qualifying games. You had the Leeds United game, that, that great night, you know, against Marseille at Ibrox. Uh, the same over in France at that Durant goal. So many great memories uh, for that night. And, you know, a lot of people maybe don't realise, younger folk and all the rest of it, Rangers were one goal away from from reaching the Champions League final that season. If we scored another goal in Marseille that night and we had a couple of chances mm-hmm. and we'd beat them that night, you know, Rangers were in the, the Champions League final against AC Milan. And uh, like when you were talking about the Leeds United game earlier on, I mean, that, that night at Ibrox, I, I would still put that as my all-time favourite night at Ibrox, my, my, my favourite Rangers game of all time. The noise was was just indescribable. And going into every game that season, as I said, especially in Europe, you know, I was at Hamden when we beat Aberdeen eh, to win the League Cup. I was I was at Celtic Park when we won the treble in that season. It just, it just felt like it was just going to continue and go on and on and on. And it's hard to explain to supporters of a certain age now who... I've had a very different experience mm-hmm. in supporting Rangers that, you know, for for 12 months, it, it felt like we were almost like the biggest club in Europe. You know what I mean? And I'm maybe being a wee bit, you know, 
over the top there, but that's how it felt. You know, yeah. we felt felt like a proper big club, and it was a, it was a joy to be a Rangers supporter for that year. And you were also at a big table, Colin. Yeah, you know, what I mean, it was like you were you were there on merit. You know, and and uh, as a kind of maybe a side issue that you know I, I was at the Evening Times then. The Evening Times had had like Battle of Britain specials yeah. all all week leading up to these Leeds games. And then when Rangers were drawn against Marseille, we had a French week. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> With yeah. French fashion and onion soup and all these different things. And and so uh, the the bounce that Rangers got football-wise and Scottish football got um, in terms of what Rangers were doing also spread elsewhere. You suddenly had newspapers doing all these different things because they could, because it was guaranteed that Rangers were going to be there. Yeah. And the following year, I always remember when Rangers get knocked out um, by Levski, Sofia, yeah. in the first round tie. Somebody um, at Evening Times who will remain nameless said, ah, it's, you know, so much for your, 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 your big team to my then sports editor, uh, Ian Scott. And Scotty came back and went, are you going to film the rest of the paper with? And there was a kind of glacial look that came yeah. back across that people didn't actually realise, even if you weren't a Rangers fan, and even if you if you weren't that interested in football, there were spin-offs around that time. Yeah. And it really was, you know, uh, I, I, I said to my, my, my uh, eldest daughter earlier, earlier on today about that, you sometimes, you sometimes wish you could just go back in time and relive that, because when you were in the, the middle of it, you didn't actually realise how good it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, it was, a, that was a fantastic run with Rangers. And and, and again, you know, there was the, the, you know, through adversity as well. You had Rangers um, coming through domestically. That was the same, you know, the end of the season. They lost McCoy, who was scoring goals for fun. At that point in time, they lost McCoy. They had to re-jig how the team would play. So they ended up playing with a front one and a half almost with Hately and Durant playing off him. So tactically, coaching-wise, managerially-wise, it was Walter Smith got the best out of those players, probably through his pragmatism. I mean, you know, different times through his through that the nineties. He kept reinvent. Okay, the Rangers would sign players, but he also reinvented how the team played. So you look back at the '96 Scottish Cup um, final. Rangers employed. Rangers were already playing then with these central defenders. You know, you'd you'd um, I think it was Goff, Bjorkland, and Petrich, and the two fullbacks were like wing backs, and then you you still had like almost like three midfield players, Gascoigne being one of them. And then load up ahead of him, and then jury ahead of him. I mean, so if you put it down, you, know, you say to Rangers, oh, I Walter Smith was a, a 4 4 2 exponent. No, really, he actually could play 5 5 2 2 1 1, if you know what I mean. Yeah. He, 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 was, he was tactically very, very um, clever. And, 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 you know, go forward a few years when Sir Alex Ferguson needed, definitely needed a number two. Who did he phone? Walter yeah. and Walter won an FA Cup winners medal um, when United beat beat Millwall, you know, and a lot of people forget that. But if you know, people there holding Sir Alex Ferguson as the greatest manager of all time, when he was in his moment of need, who did he turn to? Walter Smith. There, there was I read a good story today. I'd read it before actually that Darren Fletcher told a story that when Ronaldo first arrived, Walter <laughs> Smith was there. And, you know, he was doing all the fancy flicks and the tricks and all that kind of stuff. And Smith felt he was not being direct enough, not, you know, too too much sort of style and not enough substance, if you know what I mean. So he, he, also, he also felt, he also felt, Colin, that Ronaldo was ripping the piss out of his teammates. Yeah. So he and stopped, that... he stopped, in training games, he stopped fouls. You couldn't, yes. you couldn't be fouled. And that, and that forced Ronaldo, apparently Dan Fletcher was saying, you know, for the first two or three days, Ronaldo was getting frustrated. He was trying all his fancy flats, getting put up in the air uh, and no getting the foul for it. He says, but what he then started to realise, he had to let the ball go quicker, pass and move, pass and move. And, and according to Dan Fletcher, that's when he became 
you know, you started to see the signs it it it, it, it would become. Uh, but coming back to his 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 Rangers days, uh, Stuart. Now we all know he done nine in a row and all the rest. Of it. He, he, he was there for the last. Well, he was there for every one of the nine. Manager for the last seven. Uh, so the, the sort of main man in that front. But I, I wanted to look at the sort of loud drop and Gascoigne years in particular. Gascoigne because again this goes back to the, the sort of the, the man rather than the manager. Now we all know like Gascoigne's. You know he's he's had issues. I mean even at Rangers there, there were obviously issues. Mm-hmm. You know I think he's quite a lonely guy. And you know the, the stories of Walter Smith. Realising that Paul Gascoigne was spending Christmas alone and just like not having that right, you're coming round to mine, you know, and all that kind of thing, and you know that 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 is a sign of a man, and the sign of a man manager, someone who realises that, you know, at the end of the day, this is this is a member of his staff. He's thinking this guy, I need him to be at the top of his game, and he's going to be spending Christmas alone. I'm not having that. He's coming round to mine, spending time with my family. You know, I think again that shows a wee sign of who he was as a person, you know, and how compassionate he really was. People talk about this sort of hard exterior, but there was definitely a soft centre there, I think. Oh, there, oh, there was. Um, he, he sometimes didn't appreciate it if you pointed that out, you know. <laughs> but it was... Um, no, but he did that He did that with players who were in trouble as well. Not just Gascoigne, but players who were... Maybe had issues in their domestic lives. Maybe players who had been off form and maybe took a bit of coaxing to get back to where they where, where he thought they should have been. He was a very very compassionate person. You know, he would take time out there. And I, I listen, I saw it as well when you'd you'd um you know, journalists who for various reasons might not you know be at their best and, and Walter would ask the question of these folk. So, you know, or, or, and, and asked, you know, would ask people how are they, how are they getting on? Because he was just he was just a genuinely nice guy. And I think he's I think we saw that as well. You know, when he I I'd men, you know mentioned there about Alan Davidson's funeral. When when Walter won the manager of the year award in 2008, it was a couple of days um before the uh, UEFA Cup final, and it, and and Walter, and what was a, a moment of triumph for him, took time out not to talk about what Rangers had achieved or what he'd achieved, but actually to talk about Tommy Burns. Yeah, and you know that you know just speaking about that just now, I'm quite you know I'm quite moved by that because again, it's almost like when he could have been celebrating, he was actually thinking of others. And yeah. and for me, that that is a measure of, you know, a person much more than maybe what they're like when they're drinking champagne or a trophy or whatever it is. That is a real measure when somebody can, when you've, you're hitting the heights, but you remember those less fortunate. I think, I think that's a real measure of the man. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Moving on to, you know, he obviously won the nine, didn't quite manage the ten, final season, empty-handed, and, and, and kind of left the club. And I, I, there was a kind of feeling it had come to a natural conclusion at that point, I felt. But returns in 2007, you know, and, and I have to get, again, I have to be honest, I was I was a wee bit sceptical when they were bringing them back. Because well, there's this narrative that it never works the second time around, mm-hmm. you know, you should never go back and, and all that kind of thing. And and, I, and there's always a fear that, you know, that this, where he was already, he was already up there as one of the best Rangers managers, I think, if he comes back and it doesn't work, he maybe tarnishes that reputation a wee bit. But as I was saying earlier on, I, I, I'm kind of of the opinion that, even though he was only here for, for four years the second time, he wasn't here as long, I would argue that his second period was his best period at Rangers because obviously he didn't have the, the resources that he had previously in terms of finance to go out and buy the best players. And that Rangers team that he built, it just it, there's this whole notion that a team displays the manager's character. right? And I think... That, that team did show what Walter Smith was all about. Ian Duff put a good thing on Twitter the day, that game when, when Rangers beat nine men, uh, sorry, when Rangers had nine men and they beat St. Mum to win the, yeah. the Betfred Cup. 
he was like, it's not the most important victory, but if any game shows what Walter Smith's team was about, this was it, you know, they were always together, they fought for everything. You know, when you consider what that team done, you know, three consecutive titles, reached the UEFA Cup final, uh, I think it was, it, was, it was two Scottish Cups, two League Cups, you know, just an incredible run of success for a team that was, and for a club that was in a bit of financial turmoil. And a, and a team that couldn't be freshened up because there was no money to freshen them up. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was guys, it was quite literally, if you can still run and you can still play, you're getting picked. And, you know, that you're, you're right. In, in some respects, you're absolutely spot on. That was almost like he could not go around the houses and say, I'll have him or him or put a bid in for him. There was nothing to bid with. You know, no. and, and you look at who who Rangers brought in at that time and who's, you know, some guys were brought in and, and didn't last very long. Other guys that came in at that that time um, were real, real winners and they might never reach the status of Rangers greats or legends, but by God, they were good at that time. And yeah. Walter Smith was especially good at that time as well. You know, the whole thing with, the whole thing with Davey Weir aged, 74 still playing at center back and still getting a, still getting a, you know still getting a, a, a tune out of them um and that being your leader on the on the pitch that 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 told you so much of that about that Rangers team as well and and again we saw that I think on occasions right through that I mean you mentioned this at Milling game there if you can remember you know who was sent off in that game Rangers basically had to rebuild for the back yeah. out again and and again, it was like if we're going to win this game, we're still having to play with like we're still going to have to score goals. And the speed that Rangers broke at to score for Kenny Miller to score the winner. If if you if there's anybody out there looking to learn how to counter attack and counter attack at pace with limited resources, that is a classic bit of footage yeah. to show them. It was a, it was a, it was a I mean talk about smashing grab. It was quite incredible. And again. That just added to the reputation and the legend of Walter Smith that here he could win cups with just nine men. Didn't he even need a full team. And <laughs> and 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 uh, you know the, these kind of things go down in folklore and and yeah. and down in the history books. But to actually witness it and actually see it, you suddenly realised, you know, fair play that you still had the you still you weren't going to lose that game, but then you had the the, the tactical noose to be able to go and win it, win it. And, and it was it was it was and another game, it was like you just felt like giving two fingers to you know the Fiorentina coach. Rangers won the tie playing non football. So what? You know yeah. what I mean? You 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 you, you, you can say that you no, know, you can say that Rangers didn't play any football and they were negative. What was the end result? Look at the history books. You lost in penalties. Natural yeah. Novo sort the winner. You lost. You now look as a sore loser because ultimately, Walter Smith and Rangers did a job on you. And, you know, just go back a few years before that, Scotland beat France. Everybody remembers McFadden's goal in Paris. What they don't remember is that Walter Smith's team beat the French at Hamden as well yeah. a couple of years before that. If you look at that Scotland team, I think Scotland had five centre-halves playing for them that day. But that was that was that was just how it was going to be. Didn't have the players to play certain positions. We're, we're, we're going to stymie and, and stop the French from playing their game. And when you do that, you know, you only need one goal to win a game. And it and it worked perfectly well. Again, some people say I was lucky. Personally, I think that just shows you how much Nousey had when it came to tactics and came to, and reading and 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 working out how to win a game, how not to lose a game first, how not to concede goals when you only actually need one goal yourself to then win it, and I and I think that's you know it was testament to actually how good the guy actually was. He'd done it before as well with you know the two Celtic games when we were doing it ten, you know that that League Cup semi final when David Robertson got sent off. Then there was another League Cup, I think it was the semi final at Ibrox. Uh, when Hustra, uh, Peter Hustra got sent off, you know, he did, you're right, he, he did know how to, to, to win games and 
adverse circumstances. You know what I mean? When when, when his back was against the wall, and uh, yeah, I, I mean it's as it's just a really sad day. And I still and, think so. I just I still think there's a it won't be. It's never. It's not recorded. Well, it is recorded somewhere, I suppose. But I I, I thought Walter Smith, his cuteness and his you know, how he saw things differently from other people was cap- was was captured in one moment when Hamden was being redeveloped and this, the semi-final tie against Celtic was either going to get played at Celtic Park or at Ibrooks. And they tossed the coin and Joe Jordan said heads and it was heads and Walter Smith, no, that was just to see who shouted first. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe Jordan fell for it and so did the guy tossing the coin he fell for it as well so you can shout this time Joe so they threw it up to that Joe Jordan lost, the tie was at Ibrooks and Rangers won the semi-final tie yeah. at Ibrooks and I just thought that that was an absolute masterclass in bluff you know what I mean, that was you, you could have been working for one of the intelligence agencies they, they think that quick and, yeah. and and basically just be so sharp that you come up with that. No, 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 no. I was no, no, I was just to decide who, who called. And everybody fell for it. And it was like, how you know, years later, how did you keep a straight face? He said, you know, actually, he said, I knew I was going to do it. He said, but maybe I maybe I actually believed it myself that I would get away with it. And I yeah. did, you know. Yeah. Uh, right, Stuart, conscious of time. I mean, final thoughts and, and how you remember them. I mean, for me. I mean, he's been a huge part of my, my Rangers life, you know. I mean, he joined the club when I was 86. I would be 13. You know, he left the second time in 2011. I would have been in sort of late 30s at the time, you know. So he's a huge part of, mm. of my Rangers supporting life. Brought me so many happy memories. He's given my liver an absolute <laughs> kick in, by the way. The amount of hangovers that are I can attribute to... to to Walter Smith, and so yeah, that I mean, that's how I'll remember him. Just being someone who provided me with so many happy memories and made it a pleasure to be a Rangers supporter. How will you remember him? Oh, I, I mean, I, I remember him as a guy who was the Rangers manager, but a really nice person with it. I think he he proved that you know good good guys can win. And when with a bit of class and when with a bit of style. And, you know, also today when I, you know, I get a wee bit kind of, not emotional, but I certainly was moved. I, I ended up having a laugh and a smile because there were so many, so many things that he could laugh at and so many things that made you smile. Um, just different things. I remember being, End of end of season. Um, uh, in fact, it was it was a Christmas dinner for the press, and there was those and such as those get invited, and it was the end of nineteen ninety four, and Rangers had lost. Rangers had lost the cup final, but it's denied them a double treble. You know, yeah, I was there that day. Imagine that. Yeah, I know. So, I knew so, we would regret it. I knew we would regret it. But there we go. So who who did you who did you um so who did you blame for the the goal that Rangers lost? <sighs> it was a mix up between Maxwell and McPherson, wasn't it? It was. I, I would, uh, if I was being honest, I would probably go towards Maxwell. Well, there was a there was a maybe an alcohol fueled discussion. Um, late on in the day about who was to blame for that and Dave McPherson was taking pelters from one or two guys and and uh, you know on my kids lives we're sitting we're sitting at the table and Walter turns to me having only ever seen me play once in goals for Rangers against the Choco hotel staff <laughs> <laughs> and turned to me and said Stuart you're a goalkeeper. Who would you blame? And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's a leading question, Walter. Now, am I going to agree with one or two of these guys around here who I'm never going to have to ask for a, a, an interview? Or am I going to basically side with the Rangers manager who 
I need to speak to you on a daily basis nearly. Yeah. And I went, oh, Ali Maxwell had the whole of Hamden to aim for. And Water went, see, there's a goalkeeper <laughs> telling you that. And honestly, God, my stock went up so high. It was, it was, it was just a brilliant, a brilliant moment. But that again, those that didn't really see Walter up close might not have appreciated that. But that's that's more the kind of guy he was in person and in private and amongst those he knew rather than what his public exterior was. And there's a bit of me today, you know, a sad day. I just wish sometimes Walter would have, you would have seen a wee bit more of that side of Walter. There's a clip kicking about um, with Tam Cowan interviewing Walter outside a ground and who do you fancy with the World Cup? And uh, the Brazilians. Brazilians. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and Tam saying, do you like a Brazilian? And Walter burst out laughing. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there. Um, that That is a that is a Walter that they, they knew because they may have been caught a wee bit off guard, but it's saw the funny side of it and he could share a laugh and he could share a joke. And... I just maybe wish we'd seen a wee bit more of that. It's difficult though, because, you know, we all know bank managers and dentists that are really, really funny guys, but when they're doing their job, they're kind of serious. I think sometimes <laughs> Walter, Walter was like that as well. But, yeah. you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm going to remember him, I'll remember him as a fantastic man, a really, you know, great family man, and conclude by, you know, saying to, to Ethel and Stevie and Neil and the rest of the extended family that my, my thoughts are genuinely with them tonight. Yeah, and I think that, that I mean, that comes from from everyone at the pod as well. I would say our thoughts are with immediate family and friends of, of the now sadly uh, departed Walter Smith. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Obviously, a, a very different show tonight. Uh, big thanks to Stuart for his contribution We'll try and get a preview show out on Friday, but, you know, there's bigger and more important things going on at the moment. 